Kia ora and welcome to Candidate Korido. I'm Ethan Manera. And I'm Zoe Mills, and we are the Salient News Editors. This is our 2023 election podcast, where we'll be chit-chatting with local candidates and the big dog party leaders to break down the dense and boring party politics and show students what's on offer this election season. Keep an eye out for all the upcoming interviews with Wellington Central and Rongatai candidates, and check out the written interviews each week in Salient. Ibrahim Omar entered Parliament as a List MP for Labour back in 2020, making him New Zealand's first ever African MP. He arrived in Aotearoa in 2008 as a refugee and studied a BA at Vic while also working as a cleaner. Before entering politics, Omar was a union organiser at Air 2 and served as a well-known community advocate. During his political career, Omar has primarily focused on advocating for living wage for low-paid workers, refugee and migrant support, and anti-racism efforts. He's now hoping to fill the shoes of his fellow Labour predecessor Grant Robertson as MP for Wellington Central. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks Zoe. Thanks for having me. It's all good. Um, We're going to start with like a little quick fire round that we're doing with all of the candidates. Just kind of silly stuff. Um, But it's kind of like how well do you know Wellington Central slash learning a little bit more about you. So what's your favourite place to eat in Wellington Central? I literally go quite a few places. But look, I'm very traditional when it comes to food, and I love the uh, the mother of coffee, mm. Ethiopian food. Yep. It's really getting popular. But also, I can't pass the Casey Cafe. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's my favourite as well. Yeah. Um, are you a landlord? No, I'm a renter. Cool. Um, and you just answer that. Do you rent or own a home? So you own a home in... No, you were living in Mangakeke, weren't you? Yeah, so this is, um, mm. I really wanted to <laughs> set record straight here. Yeah. So anyone who knows me know how much I love Wellington. And yeah. Wellington have been my home the last mm. 15 years. After 2020 election, the party and the prime minister mm. then asked me if I could go around, especially Auckland, given the ethnic communities is huge in Auckland. If I could go around, it gave the people that who never had a voice in parliament. So the last 14 months, since I think April 2022, I've been based in Onehanga, but that's part-time because mm-hmm. I've, I've had my place here in Wellington rented. Yeah. And uh, obviously I needed a place where I go because hotels are very expensive. I didn't want to stay in hotels. Mm-hmm. So I've rented a place and... Um, if you are a politician, every single politician that who flied into Wellington to do their job are entitled to accommodation yeah. um, supplements. So, um, so the last 12, uh, 14 months I've been, uh, you know, between Auckland and Wellington. But Wellington have been my home for mm. the last 15, 15, month, 15 years. Yeah. yeah, since May 2008, basically. Okay. Best place to get a coffee in Wellington. Uh, so I, again, this is look a midnight espresso. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's my go place mm. for coffee. What's one nice thing about your competitors, Tamitha and Scott? Um, look, every candidate, um, you know, putting yourself out there is not it's not that easy. Um, Tamitha is someone that who shoots straight away from being student president and mm. council. It's very impressive and the work that she has done. And I've, I've got a lot of um, respect and admiration for her. Uh, Scott, I don't really know him much. I've run to him once. He mm. seems we didn't get to talk a lot because it was an event and there was 7 a.m. Mm. and, and Makara uh, crew as well. He seems like a good guy. Uh, but, uh, but you also got Natalia Albert, who's running for top as well. Mm. I met her. We had a coffee. Lovely woman. Mm. And we had a common, quite a few things in common, actually. But she's also migrant who moved to uh, New Zealand, Atero and Wellington, looking mm. for a better life. And uh, they have nothing but respect for these people for putting uh, themselves out there and are willing to, um, you know, serve this city and also mm. our communities. Cool. And what makes the Wellington Central electorate so special? I think for me, as someone who moved to Wellington and, and as a refugee, it's a, it's a city of um, opportunity, inclusion, and diversity. And we've got a lot of good things in Wellington. You've got, you know, what makes Wellington the coolest little capital. Like we've got the creative art, and we've got we've got the public service. Every public servant who moved to Wellington, calling Wellington home. They serve our city. They serve our country. And I think that's very special as well. We've got a lot of um, creative and resilient businesses as well. Like, uh, you know, there's a lot of things, but Mm. I think those are the top of the list for me. Mm. Cool. So before we dive into it, 
For those who are a bit unfamiliar with you as mm. a politician, mm -hmm. could you tell us a bit about yourself and your journey into politics and how yeah. you got where you are today? Sure. Um, so I came to New Zealand in 2008 as a refugee from war-torn country called Eritrea in East Africa. Growing up, actually, I've always wanted to be a politician mm. or a soccer player. And this, this two things I, I couldn't because Eritrea is a country that got its independence after a long struggle. And after we became independent, what happened was there was so much aspiration and hope that we were going to be African Singapore. And we mm -hmm. did have the potential to just do that because of the strategic location of the country, because of the resources, because of the hardworking nature of its people. That didn't happen because people who fought, who led the war for independence, became so obsessive with power and messed it up with everything that we have achieved. So I'm one of the victims of the regime and ended up leaving a country because I just couldn't see any hope, any um, a dream that, that I, couldn't, I couldn't live in Eritrea. So mm -hmm. at the very young age, I decided to leave, became a refugee in Sudan, spent about four and a half to five years in Sudan, moving from one refugee camp to another. Luckily, I had a job to interpret for young people that who were coming to New Zealand just like me. Sudan has its own issue, civil war, and, and the regime was at the time, I remember they were indicted of uh, committing um, crimes against humanity in a war in Darfur and South Sudan, and they were so angry with any UN or any, or any UN agency or any um, NGO, really. So they go around basically looking for excuses. So I was the only ref local refugee, one of the very few people that local refugees who were working for UN at the time. One day they arrested me and they put me in jail. And I got, I'd say I would go disappear for five months and 20 mm. days. No one knew where I was. I was about to be deported back anyway. The United Nations ended up finding me. Mm. And that's how I ended up in New Zealand. Mm. I came as a refugee, spent six weeks in Mangri. My English teacher at the time in Mangri told me a lot of good story about Wellington and Vic Yun as well. He's someone mm. that, who is actually of Vietnamese background. Mm. He studied um, at Vic Uni. He So after he told me this story, I decided to come to Wellington and I've told the agencies that who were looking after us, but who wanted me to stay in Auckland? I said, I want to go to Wellington. No, you're staying in Auckland because we have more houses. No, I want to go to Wellington. Why? Because I want to go to Vic Uni, but we have universities in Auckland. No, I want to go to Three days mm -hmm. to convince them, but lucky I ended up coming to Wellington. So I started my life at the cleaner down in Taranak Street. And mm -hmm. um, that was um, as a housekeeper. Before that, I was a security guard. I was given a kind of a house in uh, Lower Hat in Pomari. That mm -hmm. I was there for about nine months and then moved to Wellington and kind of moved around in Wellington, Bayesian Reserve first, and then um, and then Soho Apartments. And then I got a council flat in um, Arlington, which is being rebuilt now. And then I lived in... Um, uh, Brooklyn Road as well. So I've moved around quite a lot. And moving to New Zealand, you know, it's a country of milk and honey and you've got all these good stories. But the reality is that when you are in low wages, it's really, really hard. Mm -hmm. From day one, all I wanted to do was wanted to go to uni. Mm -hmm. None of my family members went to uni. So I wanted mm -hmm. to be that first person that who breaks that taboo. Um, I couldn't because I was starting from the scratch. I didn't have one single dollar in my pocket when I came to this country. 40 hours of, um, uh, you know, low paid work by the end of the week, I didn't have money because mm -hmm. I needed to support myself. I needed to support my family back home. And then I needed to save some money to go to uni. Mm -hmm. I had to pick up another job at Vic Uni first 20 hours from um, 7 to 11 p.m. And then I had to pick up another. Four. So I was for about three, almost three plus mm -hmm. years. I did about 80 to 90 hours a week. Wow. Save it. Um, enough money. I, I think it just happened. I remember there was a mayoral candidates forum here in HAP mm. and I was asked to speak on behalf of the cleaners. I was mm. a cleaner here and my union asked me, um, I said, why me? And they said, I think you would be a good speaker. You'd be a good person to speak on. So I agreed. When I asked how many people were going to attend, they told me about 30, 40 to 50 people. I came into HUB. There were about 400 people. Mm. I turned around to run away, but my union person at the time told me, you will be fine. So I ended up speaking there. I got 
a really good response from students. Mm. They were very supportive of my story. I told students that I always wanted to study. Well, I love my cleaning job. I think it's a dignified job. But, I, you know, if we get paid enough money, I can quit some of these jobs and I could, I could study. Mm. And the reception that I got there really gave me an idea that I could actually do something with my mm. life. And that's when I decided to go to uni, um, mm. to, came to Beck Uni and enrolled. This was September 2013. September 2014 sta started my uh, classes and I was still a cleaner and I was a supervisor, working supervisor at the night. Mm. I had vacuum on my back for eight hours because mm. we had we were short in people, but also always working supervisor mm. means you work. So I did all um, the cotton building, big parts of all the lecture theaters. Mm. And the next day, I think it was McLaren 101, and it was John Johansson's lecture, Paul's 111, mm. and 10 o'clock. I finished 4 a.m., I went home about three, four hours sleep and go back. My first ever lecture was mm. in McLaren and the lecture theater that I vacuumed the night before. Mm. And then I, I got involved in a union movement. I was a delegate. I was a member organizer. After I got graduated from Big Uni, the union offered me a mm. job. And um, before that, actually, after working for a few months full time and full time studying, I found it really hard. The union offered mm. me a job and they said, you can be a member organizer. This is, give right? you, this is E2. Yeah. At the time, mm. we were, um, uh, yes, E2. We were a service and free workers union. And then we merged with EPM, you know, we became E2. Um, and then I was a part-time member organizer just doing uh, Vic Uni, organizing Vic Uni, Wellington City Council. And when I took over, where the union density was about, I think, about 11 to 12 people were union members. And I was one of those people. Five, four months later, everyone within the union, 96 to 100 people, everyone joined it. Because, you know, when someone you trust talk to you, it just make a difference. So then that's when I got involved in a Labour Party because nine years of national government. The minimum wage increase was 30 cents. The mm. best increase that we had was 50. In 2013, there was a gap. There was a there was it was frozen. They mm. we were told that there is no increase for us. When we negotiate, when we bargain with our employees, the best they could offer us was twenty to thirty cents. Mm. And I was one part of the negotiating team as well as a delegate. Mm. So I was sick and tired of instead of getting angry, I wanted to do something about mm. it. That's when I reached out to then my local MP Grant Robertson and it said, Can someone like me help? Mm. And he, five minutes later, his campaign manager got, got in touch with me. And the rest is history. That's mm -hmm. how I got involved in the Labour Party, the union movement. Obviously, from day one that I spoke here in Hub, I got involved in a living wage. I was one mm -hmm. of the main people that who um, um, uh, advocated and campaigned for Wellington City Council to become a living wage. One of my proudest moments was the day that Wellington City Council became accredited living wage employer. And, mm. and I'm very proud of the small part that I played on that. We tried with Vic Uni. I think the fight is still going on and it's not over yet, but hopefully one day we will get there. So I, in 2020, 2019, after March 15th, terror attacks, someone in the party picked up a call and they called me, oh, we want you, if you are keen, we want you to run for mm. a Labour Party. I wasn't really keen because I didn't think that someone that, like me that could you know yeah it's a big step up yeah. and um, it took me a while and i think it was just before just a deadline around when we were in a, in, a, in a lockdown that's when i decided to uh, step up and put my name forward and ended up becoming a list mp that's in a nutshell mm. hopefully yeah. i'm sorry it made it a bit longer but no. in a nutshell that's, that's my background story. My story thank you and and just on that, you know, you've you've done a lot of really amazing work within uni unions, mm -hmm. and also advocating for migrants and refugees. Mm -hmm. I want to know why now are you running for Wellington Central, and why with mm -hmm. Labour in particular? Because you've mm -hmm. mentioned, you know, you've described yourself as a trade unionist. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people with those values would go automatically to the Greens. Mm -hmm. You know, why Labour? Mm -hmm. Well, if you look into history, Labour Party is the party that's been established by working people, by unions, mm -hmm. and and if you see the. Uh, 
my union, E2 union, is one of the affiliate unions. So actually before, when I first came, uh, you know, when I, when I, after what happened in Eritrea and then what, I, what I saw in Sudan, I gave up in politics. Mm. I didn't want to do anything with politics because where I came from, it's all about hurting people. So I came to New Zealand, I saw the parliament debating, people getting loud. I thought they were going to fight, but mm. someone told me, this is how we do politics, it's safe. It really restored my faith in politics and politicians in this country and, and elsewhere, but that it, not in my wild dreams that I thought I could be. So at the time that I, when I came to New Zealand, Helen Clark was the prime minister. Mm. So... That's the first history that I started to look into was the Labour Party history. Mm. And when after I became a trade unionist, that even reaffirmed my belief in the Labour Party, mm. the party of um, fairness and equality, and, um, and also the party of, for the working people. Mm. And it's not always, the party doesn't always get things right, but the principles and the values are still there. So for, in terms of your question, why Wellington? It's the cities that gave me so much. Mm. When I came, I told you that I did not have a single dollar in my life, in my pocket. Mm. And I worked hard. It's where I cleaned all these buildings, mm. you know, university campuses. I cleaned every Victoria University campus, including the one that's, uh, that's being sold by mm. university. And then um, Pipitia, um the um, um, architecture and I, I, this is where I um, this is a city where I cleaned the universities, corporate buildings and mm. all the other things that I have done. It's the city that made me who I am and shaped my identity out of this today. It's the city where I became a living wage activist. It's the city I met all these amazing people. So for me, um, the last three years I have I've been giving migrants and refugees that who often had their voices overlooked and I think I have done that job mm. and now time has come up for me to take another challenge and that's to serve the city that gave me so much mm. and to me the best way to give back to Wellington is by being it's a local MP and being its mm. voice in parliament. So if you become MP for Wellington Central, you're going to continue your advocacy for um, low-wage workers and refugees and migrants, or are you just going to focus more on the electorate? I mean, look, uh, being a local MP, obviously my main focus is going to be... Um, the, 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 remember that Wellington has a lot of low-paid workers mm. as well, people that who work hard, and you've got cleaners, for example, that who clean mm. this university, a lot of them live around. And, and as a local MP, of course, my focus is going to be mainly, primarily Wellington Central. That doesn't mean that I can't do other things. For example, now, mm -hmm. while I was giving my community's voice around all, by going all over the country, I had my wage theft members bill mm -hmm. had its first reading last week. Mm -hmm. uh, it was introduced um, in the House, I think, last March. And, you know, I've been focusing on migrants and refugees, but also been working for low-paid workers as mm. well. So while I focus on Wellington and Wellington Central, it doesn't mean that I can't look out for other low-paid workers. Mm. I can do both. Mm. But Wellington is going to be my absolute focus and priority. Mm. So we've spoken a little bit about the university and mm. your story with the university. Um, I want to touch on about the, um, the education minister's pack to save tertiary education. I don't know if you saw, but there was the... Uh, protest down the terrace a couple of days ago. Obviously, $128 million. Some people are calling it a bit of a Band-Aid. Mm. Um, I guess the main concern that we're asking our candidates is how are they going to advocate mm. for yeah. both students and staff? Mm. The, the university brings in so much bus mm. business as it is, but also we're seeing courses cut hugely, mm -hmm. a lot of uncertainty for both students mm. and staff, mm. whether that's in an academic position or an administrative position, mm. well, how will you mm. advocate for everyone involved? Let's just take a step back when this job, potential job cuts were proposed and announced. Um, I remember um, getting up to Dougal McNeil's interview mm. on Radio New Zealand, and, and after I finished, I actually messaged him around midday 
um, saying that let's catch up and talk about this. Because to me, the Victoria University is more, more than just uh, another educational institution. To me, it's quite personal. Uh, but like just earlier, I was chatting to you that this university was a big part of my life. Mm. This is where I clean it. This is where I um, studied. I have a lot of connections. I have a lot of, um, it's quite personal for me. Yeah. And uh, while, you know, we need to look out um, for a broader education system and that we need to work hard to make things better. But also to me at the time, people's jobs were online. Mm. You know, people that, who are very proud to be part of this institution, to be part of our community in this city, their jobs were online. I think to me it was as simple as that. At the time, of course, when you do, when you advocate things, sometimes when you push for something, you, you want to keep a low profile and do what you do mm. behind the closed doors. And I caught, I would see to you with um, uh, Nikki and, and, and Dougal and stuff. So from day one, um, the first thing I did was I had a chat with Bo's finance minister and the education minister. I'll tell you one funny story. One morning I went to the terrace and I was grabbing a coffee. The minister for education, the Honorable John Tinetti, mm. was walking down the road. And I told her, John, please wait for me. I grabbed my coffee. I chased her all the way from the terrace mm. and all the way to Beehive yeah. Level 6. Just like, just telling her that let's just give them something for now. Let's just yeah. save... These are people's jobs. I know that there is a lot of talks about the way that the, the, the funding model is not working. There are things that we need to do. We need a review and the staff. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. But for now, though, this is human stories. And let's just... Do At the end, she was writing, Ibrahim, I'm about to go into the meeting. But look, we are doing everything we can. I mm. can assure you. Um, and I, I was in constant contact and face-to-face -face talks with Grant as well because of the finance minister, he... So I'm very proud that I could have played a, even a small role in, in, in making, you know, this happen. Yes, it's not perfect, $120 million um, for all universities and $12 million for big mm -hmm. units. Still, some people are going to aid us through the um, um, voluntary redundancy or people are going to lose jobs because yeah. once these people are left, they're not going to come back. We know it's a big loss to our mm. city and our university. And to me, um, the last three years, I have proved to be an apologetic voice for my community. Mm. And I promise from, from this place here now that I will be an apologetic voice for Wellington and mm. Wellingtonians and Wellington Central and the Vic University being part of that. I caught up one of the Departments that severely been affected is School of Music, for example, which mm. means a lot, which adds a lot to Wellington. Mm. And I caught Abu Sali, who is head of head of the school, mm. and we talked about things that we could do together. And um, that, the, the discussion continues now. That is this um, really exciting review by the mm. government in in a funding model and other things that haven't been working mm. because we can't keep doing things over and over yeah. the same things and we expect different outcomes so we will have to wait and see what the outcome of the review yeah. it's going to be it's going to have to be after the election for me though mm. i think the student voice needs to be a big part of this review but mm. at the end of the day we're talking about things that affect students directly yeah so uh, this is um, my take on, on, on your question is that, um, of course, I, I'll, I'll be an apologetic and loud voice mm -hmm. for Wellington Central, but also for Victoria University. How are you going to do that feasibly? I mean, do you, do you have any, uh, you know, long-term plans, ideas to save the university, not just Vic extending out to Massey. This mm. is obviously not just a Wellington mm. central issue. Do you have a feasible policy? But the current that? review is a big part of that. Do we, we know have when to, we we have to we have, uh, It's going to be after election. And okay. I think the minister made it. After me and you talk, mm. I actually asked this question. It's going to be, it's not going to be before the election. But um, in terms of, uh, uh, now I don't want to jump a gun. Mm. We have to wait and see what's in the review. And who is actually um, going to be part of the review? And once we have the outcome, and then we can plan and and mm. and and um, talk about how we're going to advocate and how we're going to mm. do things. But now the main thing is we need to wait for review. Mm. We just don't want to jump a gun. So have you spoken to Jan about any 
any potential like spoilers? Has she kind of given you a gist of what's going to happen? We talk all the time. You know, I sit in the education workforce mm. committee. As, as a, I'm the deputy chair of the committee, but also I chair what we call the the Labour Party um, Education Workforce um, caucus, um, caucus Committee. Mm. And every week, every sitting week, we sit in John's office. So obviously what's discussed in a caucus states in a caucus, but we talk all the time. Okay. Mm. Very politician answer. I guess no. we're going to find out in a couple of weeks what that's going to happen. But I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that this package will help. I think the main thing is that, Zoe, let's work together. Okay. Let's keep talking. Mm. To me, it, it doesn't matter whether I'm going to be the, Wellington, the MP for Wellington Central or yep. not, or doesn't matter who's going to be. But we, to me, this educational institution is, it, it means a lot to okay. me. Our education mm. system, I told you this last week that it's all about, you know, about young generation, but coming generations, future mm. leaders. Mm. And if we're going to be in safe hands, we need to be producing um, effective, good, well-educated leaders. Okay. On that, um, I, you've, you're a living wage advocate. Mm -hmm. you've, you've put a lot of work into um, getting, obviously, the city council living wage approved. I want your opinion on study wage. It's been a conversation that's been ongoing the past couple of years. In terms of cost of living, we've had that $20 increase, cost of living um, for um, living allowances uh, for students. Mm. I mean, it's not a huge amount um, in the grand scheme of things. I want to mm. know, you know, do you support a study wage for all or a study allowance? Wellington is known for cold, damp housing. It's known to be an incredibly expensive place to mm. live. Mm. Uh, more and more students are leaving the university as well because they just can't afford mm. to live here anymore. Mm. And it's the same around the country. Mm. Um, what are your thoughts on study wage and study allowance? I support everyone having a wage that they, they can live on mm. comfortably. Without, I, I know that um, I know some students who study full-time and also almost study full-time as well. I don't think that's okay. So for me, mm. I support a wage, wages, people getting paid wages that they comfortably can live on. Mm. Now, um, uh, we've got the, our manifesto is coming um, and hopefully, hopefully there is going to be something for, mm. um, there's going to be something for everything really. Mm. Education is part of that as well. So we're going to have mm. to wait and see what's in manifesto and what's, and then we can, we mm. can have the discussions. But the bottom line is that um, I support that everyone getting paid a wage that they, they, they comfortably can, can, can survive on. And in terms of the other part of your question, I think part of the, the problem that, that we have seen, I've lived in, in a damp, cold house, mm. uh, which is now thankfully being put down and, and we are building a new house on which is the Arlington City Council apartments. And every day, every two days, I was going to my GP getting getting sick. I almost got asthmatic. And I... I do not even wish that for my worst mm. enemy as well. So that's why we need to, um, the Healthy Houses mm. program that's going on, we need to keep pushing on that as well to make sure that everyone is living in a warm and nice and dry and affordable house. Mm. Affordable house, we need to be building more houses. Mm. Um, and, and that's, look, I, I'm not here to speak on behalf of the government, but actually mm. I'm very proud of what this government achieved so far about 13,000 public houses have been delivered mm. and about 200,000 houses throughout this country have been built. One mm. in 10 houses now have been built by this mm. government. If you ask me, is it enough? No, it's not enough. We need to be doing more. And in, money, in our manifesto, you're probably going to see something about the housing as well. Mm. And it's coming very soon. So do you support a study allowance? Do you support a universal study I allowance? I support everyone getting paid a wage that the that they can comfortably um, live on. At the moment, um, the cost of living um, package, um, I mean, if you look into a student allowance, for example, mm. um, under this government in the last five, six years, mm. it's been increased by 39%. Mm. If you ask me, is it, is it, is it? And, and is that, that was also That was also adjusted with um, inflation adjustments as well. Yeah. No, no, it's not enough. Mm. That's why I said that we need to be doing more mm. that, uh, so we can attract our young people to feel encouraged and to f feel comfortable to go and mm. study. Because at mm. the moment, student numbers are down. Mm. 
Mm. And there could be many factors. Mm. COVID-19 could be part of that and housing could be part of mm. that, uh, housing affordability. So there's a whole lot of things we can do to attract students to, um, to come to Wellington, but also generally to come back to um, tertiary education. Mm. A big problem that you know students are facing at the moment in terms of cost of living, not just having quite, you know, the um, the study, the cost of living, like, you know, stu- um, payments that you can get under the student loan aren't super high in comparison mm. to rent in Wellington. It's yeah. having to work multiple jobs. Yeah. Um, I mean, is it, is it feasible for students, especially in Wellington, to have to work multiple jobs while having to study full-time? And, and how, you know, do you see a future where, you know, students don't have to do that? Will you advocate for that? I would. I would, I would advocate for anything that makes student lives better. Mm. I, w- I would do that. I, I, you know, when I start, when I got involved in a living wage, I actually, I wasn't on minimum wage. I was a supervisor. I was getting $18 per hour. Mm. Minimum wage rate at the time was eighteen forty. So the difference between living wage and my, the rate that I was getting was about just 40 cents. Mm. So logically, oh, okay, this doesn't affect me. I don't have to do anything at home. That's mm. because about the people that I've worked with. It's people that that I that that I have been that have been part of my life yeah. the, for four or five years, and I I've chosen to be involved and dedicated my time and energy tirelessly to advocate for all low pay, low paid workers to be living or to be on living wage, yeah. and I would do that for students or anyone that who needs my voice. How will you advocate that for that though? Do you have feasible policies in mind that? will support students in the cost of living. I'm not going to talk about, like, make a policy, mm. make up a policy now and the go. But okay. there are ways to, to, to do that. Okay. okay. If you are a part of a caucus, you mm. do that on the table through your caucus. Okay. You do that by working with ministers, talking to ministers. You do that by actually talking to students, talking mm. to universities. So there's so many ways that mm. you could do that. Okay. So I want to move on to... Um, housing. We talked about it briefly mm-hmm. before, mm-hmm. but I want to talk about your plan for renters. You know, most of Wellington's mm-hmm. Wellingtonians are renters, um, and we all know that the housing situation here is pretty dire. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cold, it's mouldy, it's overpriced, and landlords are quite negligent. Um, what's your plan um, to improve the rental situation in Wellington, but also do you have any plans on how you're going to enforce the healthy home standard? Because we have the standard, you know, we we can check a box, but it's not actively being enforced. How are you going to make the housing situation better for Wellington? So so the heart of the housing issue that we had in the last it was it was actually the crisis and the mid for the last twenty years, and mm. at the heart of that was the lack of supply. Mm. In terms of the supply, I think this government has embarked in a biggest um, ever housing project, mm. and and there is more. Um, we need to build more houses, and that's that's the bottom line, right? In terms of the healthy houses, um, uh, you have seen the policy already, and uh, over and the just a twenty budget twenty twenty three that is hundred thousand. That is a plan. To insulate and, and to make sure that mm. 100,000 houses are uh, uh, healthy, dry, where people can live mm. on. And, and uh, the, the, the huge progress has been made, but we're not mm. there quite yet, and we will be pushing for that. I mean, what about the landlords, though, that aren't doing anything? How are you going to deal with that? I mean, Wellington Central, we've all heard stories from people that have mm. landlords that take up to a year mm. to respond to basic request how will you manage that yeah so we we have the landlords that who haven't stepped up but we mm. also have a lot of landlords that who stepped up and mm. did the right thing so we just need to keep pushing we need to keep working with these landlords we need to make sure that the act the law is being enforced and, and how there are you enforce it? how will you enforce the healthy home standard like regularly tangibly because it's by working with communities mm. by working with uh, the people that who are advocating i mean i had a coffee a few weeks ago mm. with um with Jordi, for example mm. from 
from um, from the rentals. And we had a very good discussion in terms of how we can work together and, mm. and we have shared a lot of ideas. And, you know, as a community coming, there's not just a politician, it's because at mm. the end of the day, the community, the advocates have a big role to play. And the politicians mm. need to respond to that. And that's what I will do. I will just work. Mm. I'm someone that who love working on the grassroots level with people. And that's what I will do. Mm. So students do have, we, we can um, access, obviously, the Tenancy Tribunal. We can access, um, you know, community services. What about the average student whose landlord lives, I don't know, at the top of the North Island and won't respond to their emails and is dealing with a leak mm. and is running out of resources. I'm not going to go into the individual stories, mm. uh, Zoe. And uh, like I said, there are ways to do this and we have to mm. be working together as a community. We have to be working with landlords, the government, the advocates, the mm. community. We all must come together. But I'm not going to go into individual cases Fair and enough. talk about individual cases. Another big issue for students at the moment is transport. The buses are shockingly unreliable. Mm -hmm. Same with the trains. Mm. Um, and we're going to touch briefly on Let's Get Wellington moving, but for now I want to know how are you going to improve the, first off, the delayed buses, um, the terrible conditions that a lot of our mm. bus drivers have to deal with. Mm. Um, we had Tamitha Paul mentioned previously that, you know, some bus drivers don't have um, toilets at the end of their rest stops, they're having to do this for hours or they're dealing with abuse from the public. Um, and also people just don't want to be bus drivers. Um, that's a story that um, Salient touched upon a couple of weeks ago. Um, how will you improve our, our transport sector? So I'm, I'm someone that who um, uses public transport regularly. Mm. And um, not, not only now, but in the past as well, when the bus drivers were on minimum wage and striking on the street on Kiva mm. Street, I was part of their protests. I went and, and, and mm. supported their protests. At the heart of all the transport issues that we had, was um, a bus driver is not willing to be bus driver. And that's because yeah. the wages were quite low. Mm. Now, the government has stated that, you know, the bus drivers mm -hmm. are now literally on $30. And mm. because of that, a um, few weeks ago, we had a meeting with Darren Pointer, who's the chair mm. of um, um, uh, regional council. And, and you know, public transport is uh, primarily responsibility of the regional council. Mm. What the local MP can do is advocate on behalf of people, Wellington and Wellingtonians. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I believe I believe in public and free public transport. When when it's going to happen, whether it's going to happen now or in a year or two, three, that's another question. But look, we you know we started quite well when we um, extended the the um, half public transport for mm -hmm. under twenty five, for example, or the people that are carrying community cards, and that work has started. But we need to keep doing more. Mm -hmm. So, uh, look, uh, you know, the, the, the cancellation is actually, when I talked to Darren Pointer, he said that there is a huge improvement, mm. but there is still work to do in terms of to make it absolutely 100% reliable mm. and efficient. If we're going to resolve all the issues that we have around congestion, around the uh, 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 climate change, we need to have mm. a, a public, world-class public transport that's efficient and reliable. Would you aim to get free public transit for Wellingtonians done within your term? I, I'm, look, I'm not going to promise things mm. that I probably can't promise. I mean, I, can't, I won't be able to deliver, but I'm more than happy to have a conversation with Wellingtonians from mm. across the spectrum um, to see what we can do better. What's working, what's not working. So on the topic of transport, let's get Wellington moving. So there's been a bit of stuff in the media recently for those who haven't been keeping up with it, um, Nationals basically said that they've planned to scrap it and build a big motorway. Your party, Labour, has refused to commit to supporting it. Following the election, there's been no confirmation um, from Chippy. So what are your thoughts on Let's Get Wellington moving? So the, so the minister is going to make an announcement about this. So I don't want to jump a gun and, and, and your make comments. your personal take on it? My personal take is that we need public transport that's reliable and functional where... Um, Wellingtonians can enjoy. So to my personal take on it, it's a good thing and mm. we need to stick to it. So you support increased pedestrianisation and light rail? Is that what you're saying? So the, the whole announcement is coming from the minister, so we're going to have to wait and see. Okay. Mm. I know you can't say a lot because you're about to, there's about to be an announcement, but 
Let's Get Wellington Moving has said to be a big boost to businesses on Golden Mile. If it's scrapped, and if it's not scrapped, how, just on the topic of local business... The Golden Mile is not being scrapped. It's a done deal. Yeah. It's not being scrapped. How will you advocate for local business, just in general? I've been talking to um, some business owners in mm. terms of people that who have concerns around, around be it let's get Wellington moving mm. or the Golden Miles. The reality is that we need to acknowledge there's going to be a disruption, mm. and um, but in the long term, this is going to be good for Wellington and Wellingtonians and the businesses that who are going to struggle. Uh, I know that the mayor and the council has uh, already set up um, a workforce, I think, to support yeah. the businesses that are going to be affected. And it's a good way to, a good place to start. But of course, um, I've, I've, been, I've been engaging with businesses and um, I'm still, um, um, I will continue to talk to businesses, see how we can support. Okay. So back on your candidacy, your colleague, Grant, had the seat for a very long time. Has he given you any advice while running? Um, I found out that Grant was not standing literally five minutes before he made the really? public. Yeah. yeah. So did I, you just... he, he texted me. He said, call me. Um, and, and five minutes later, I didn't actually call him. I didn't mm. end up calling him because I was, I was in a meeting. So it was public. And the mm. people started texting me. Oh, shit. Grant is mm. stepping down, and and uh, look, Grant has done his 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 um, his time, and yeah. he feels that 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 he wants to focus on on a finance, and that this is what previous finance ministers like Bill English, uh, Michael Cullen, before him has done this. So it hasn't started with him, and he wants to focus on on a finance, but also he wants to you know spend. You know, it's a tough job to be mm. a local and a local kind of local MP, also minister mm. for finance. So um, I respect the decision that that, that he made. But mm. yeah, what do you think he's done really well um, during having the seat, and what do you think oh, man, could I, leave room for improvement? I mean, I mean, I, to be honest, I have been talking to Wellingtonians from across political spectrum, right, left middle the respect of the grand commands in wellington and mm. wellington central is 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 huge mm. to me uh, i think grant is all about he's someone um who lives by his values yeah and he's very principled um i could say a lot about grant but mm. yeah wellington will miss him wellington mm. central like your opponent scott you were you were living outside of wellington for a little bit we talked mm. about this briefly at the start but for the sake of the podcast, if you haven't been reading The Post, um, which is our local newspaper, they published an article a couple of weeks ago. It says, since April 2022, Omar has claimed over $26,000 in a housing allowance, $28,000 in taxpayer-funded flights. That's a lot of money. Um, how much have you spent on your current campaign? Um, I, I don't have a number. How much? Mm. I, I don't have the final figures. Mm. Um, uh, once campaign is done, we're gonna find out. Do you have like a in, in, in regard? No, I can't. Okay. I can't. Um, mm. In regard to your to your question, mm. um, after the election, um, then the prime minister and the party asked me because at the end of the day, you become a politician for a purpose, yep. for a reason. My purpose at the time in my maiden speech, I said that my job will be to be communities mm. to be to give community that who had their voices over here the voice mm. and from day one i was asked if i could uh, progressively go to auckland and move around the country in create a bridge between the party and our communities mm. between the government and our communities because because of their backgrounds where they come from there is a huge mistrust mm. on towards the authorities and stuff so i i was I was told that I could, I could take my time, mm. and progressively in April 2022, that's when I start um, working from any hangar office part time. Mm. But that didn't mean that I've left Wellington. Mm. I had my place here in mm. Wellington, and most of my Mondays I've worked from our Wall Street office where I, um, I share with Grant. Mm. And um, am I gonna be? Um, am I going to apologize for doing that? No, because mm. 
I have given my communities a voice. I've got a whole lot of postcards and letters that, that I receive from all over the country mm -hmm. from my communities, and mm -hmm. that makes me very, very proud. And in terms of the allowance, every politician, because mm -hmm. you know that politician that who flew into Wellington from all parts of the country, they claim accommodation allowance here in Wellington mm -hmm. if you don't live here. That, and that's exactly what I did. There is nothing, to, nothing new mm -hmm. about this. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, that's that's my answer to that. And everyone that who know me, Wellington, I love Wellington. This mm. city have been my home for mm. the last fifteen years, and nothing is gonna mm. change that. Yes, part for the last fourteen months I based in Auckland, and I and that's only part time. I was coming to Wellington every Monday. I worked here from my office, giving my well my communities from Wellington a voice mm. as well. So yeah. What are your thoughts on Scott living in Abu Dhabi for a number of years I'm before not, coming back? Look, I'm not going to go into people's <laughs> lives and, and, you know, comment on how people live their lives. Mm. I think that's for Scott to answer. But, yep. look, yeah, I would just leave it there. <laughs> yeah. um, before we wrap it up, I want to ask you about climate change. Mm -hmm. um, climate change and climate mitigation is obviously yeah. a really important um, issue to students across the political spectrum. Mm. Um, what's your stance on climate action and how will you... Can I um, could just tell you, share a little bit story that I, mm. I last October I was, I traveled to Rwanda for, um, mm. for IPU, which is what we call Interparliamentary Union Conference with mm. other MPs from um, other political parties. And before that I spent about a week engaging with a lot of UN agencies in mm. Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. And these UN agencies that, I, that I've talked to, some of them WFP, which is World for Program, the African mm. Union. And the biggest issue, obviously, you know, there's a lot of conflicts in Africa, but the biggest issue and that they mentioned it to me as a common threat was climate change. Mm. So now if you ask me, this is the region that probably produces under less than 1% carbon emission because it's, there is no industries. It's a poor region. Because of the rich countries' carbon emission, they have been affected. So for the last five, six years, there was a huge, extreme drought that killed hundreds of millions of livestock, mm. and there was no harvest for four, three to four years. And this exposed millions of people to, um, to the mm. danger of um, deaths. And I, then I, I reflected. In my way back, I was reflecting. And if we think that this is not going to come to New Zealand one day, we mm. must be naive. And then we have seen what happened in Auckland during the, the, um, <laughs> the flood. Mm. And then we have seen what happened in Tairafti, mm. in Hooks Bay. I mean, climate change is real. Yeah. And it's, it's a big issue. And that's why we need to be doing everything we can um, both uh, on mitigation and adaptation um, fronts. Um, I'm very proud of the work that James um, mm. Show, with alongside with the Labour government has mm. done, has achieved, and there is obviously a lot more to do. Just today you would have seen the announcement mm. about the massive wind farms that's going to, one day going to make New Zealand 100% reliable, um, mm. uh, depending on reliable energy. So a lot has been done. But mm. we have a long way to go. And climate change is real. And I'm very serious about it. What can we do about it in Wellington? What will you do as Wellington Central's MP? I think, I think in Wellington, the work that's underway is, is really good. It's a good start. For example, we need a public transport that's going mm. to encourage people to use a public transport. Mm. Really reliable, efficient and affordable Public transport mm. is a good start. Cycleways has started. There's, yes, there's some issues and people complain about them, but it's actually a good start. We need to encourage people to bike and we need to be encouraging people like to walk. But, you know, on top of that, we need to be doing everything we can and in every, and, um, in every front to make sure that we got the climate change under control. So you support the cycleways? I do support yeah. the cycleways. Would you hands down. An increased number of cycleways, or are we happy with how I think we've we, got right now? I think the consultation always can be better mm. in, in terms of because everywhere that I go and talk to people, they they say that oh, the consultation with this, the consultation mm. with that, and we need to be taking locals and mm. and the Wellingtonians with us. But we need we need because at the end of the day, if we're gonna um, 
deal with climate change. We need mm. the whole package. So they are cycle ways are good things. Do you cycle? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I wish. I'm going to be like wishing <laughs> around the waterfront on an e-bike anytime I'm, I'm, soon. I'm a, uh, well, I'm, 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 a bit, I'm a very bad bike rider. But <laughs> I, need, I need a bit of practice. Okay. <laughs> um, to kind of wrap us up, could you give us maybe like 30 second pitch to students on why they should trust you with their vote to selection? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm very proven advocate for things that I care about. I really care about student issues. I don't say this because I'm talking to you, um, mm. Zoe. This is what I say everywhere I go because, um, um, you know, to me, a student means that it's tomorrow's leaders, mm. tomorrow's future leaders. If we're going to do well tomorrow, we, we see what's happening all mm. over the world. And the, so we need to be investing in our young people. Mm. We need to be investing in our, our students. And I will be... an apologetic voice for students around the issue that they face. We have talked mm. about this for almost one hour. Mm. And I was a big, big union was a big part of me. It's mm. what I cleaned. It's what I studied. And actually, the day that I handed in my last assignment, the next day I went back and enrolled for masters to do strategic studies. Mm. But I got offered a job. I mm. need to earn some money. And mm. I will go back one day yep. to do my masters. So um, um, I've been working with the student for Long time. You know, mm. I, I, one thing that I forgot to tell you, actually, in my first year, I ran for a campaign officer. Oh, really? For visa. Mm. I didn't make it. <laughs> I didn't <go> elected. <laughs> but I, I, I gave it a go. Yeah. I'm very passionate about student mm. issues. And, and I know that um, I will be your strong voice in Parliament. And mm. I am someone that you can work with as well. Mm. Cool. What, where's your favorite place to eat and drink on campus? Um, on campus? Yeah. Hunter Lounge. Hunter Lounge, And the yeah. plus, you know, R. I can't, I can't pass the books. That's, <laughs> it's, yeah, Hunter Lounge every Friday, but, but we always go and hang out. With, yeah. with, but Vic Books, my God, every Friday, there's mm. no day that I've missed without sitting four o'clock, grab a co- coffee from Vic Books and mm. a sushi from Makimono. And this was a ritual for yeah. the whole three years. Mm. One weekend, I spent 48 hours in this campus yeah. to just finish two assignments. By the mm. time, I wasn't sleeping. Mm. By the time I finished, I still did that. Coffee. <laughs> and then I went home. I had this drowsy, high fever tablet. Yeah. I ate that and I've slept for about 24 hours. Oh, my gosh. Mm. It's not healthy. It's not healthy <laughs> thing to do, but I, but I did that. Yeah. Mm. I miss this place. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you want to add? No, no. Thank, thank you. Uh, one thing I, I, you know, I tell students is that just keep challenging politicians. Mm. Keep challenging us. Mm. Don't be quiet. Mm. You know, I, I, I actually really love it, the, the protest, the, the mm. passion. And, you know, that's how it mm. should be because that's what I used to do when I was um, – low-paid worker union person. I used to mm. chant on the streets and angry and angry at politicians. Mm. So keep doing that. Keep coming. Keep talking to us. Mm. Thank you so much for being here. No problem. Cool. Thanks for having me.